Well, welcome to the Marty Minto Show podcast. I'm your host, Marty Minto, the informative voice for Christianity all across America. Official music on the Marty Minto Show is by Apologetics, that Christian parody band. Check them out online. That's Apologetics, last three letters, T-I-X dot com. That's Apologetics dot com. Well, I hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you may be listening to this podcast, and I am delighted to be back uh, with you once again with the Marty Minto Show podcast. And, uh, oh my goodness, so many things that we have to talk about, but we have to continue in our conversation in a study that we have been doing, a series I've called it, How to Study and Understand God's Word. And uh, we are going to continue in that series because there's still much to learn uh, from God's Word and about God's Word from all of us when we sit down and open the Bible and we study together and uh, we find out exactly uh, what God said and why he said it. And uh, I hopefully you've listened to the previous podcast uh, in this series, and we are going to continue on. And again, I, I don't want you to miss out by any means, but remember, while we're here together, we are going to focus on three things, priorities, to learn, teach, and defend. Before we can teach anybody, before we can defend the truth, we have to learn the Word of God, and that's exactly what we're going to do together. We're going to learn the Word of God, and we're going to find out what God said and why He said it. And uh, studying the Bible, as you've, if you've listened in the past in the podcast, is different than just reading the Bible. you got to take time and effort, and, and it's, it's, it's a challenge. There's no doubt about it. But uh, again, as we go through this series, hopefully these principles will help you. But also, we want to learn God's Word to teach other people, whether it be family members and friends, uh, co-workers, or people that we meet, people that may have questions about the Bible. Uh, we want to be able to teach them and open God's Word and tell them exactly what God has said in regards to the particular topic that we're discussing. And last but not least, we're defending the truth. Why? Because in a day and age in which we live, the last days, we have been warned time and time again uh, by Jesus, by Peter, by Paul, by James, by John. Uh, It seems like the list goes on and on all throughout the New Testament. In the last days, uh, the greatest deception is going to come from within the visible church. Uh, just as there were false prophets in the Old Testament, there are going to be false teachers in the New Testament. And people are popping up left and right. Uh, I was reading an article just today about a pastor of, I guess, a very prominent church out west, uh, very large. He's coming out with a brand new book about Scripture. And I was reading some of the things that he said in this interview, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not sure where he's getting this stuff. I'm not sure where he is actually coming up with this, because he is himself twisting the Scripture. He is adding to it. He's taken away from it. He is, he is letting it say what he wants it to say. And I thought to myself, this is where we're at. That's why I've said it so many times before. There is much confusion when it comes to Christianity today. That's why I want to take you on this journey on how to study and understand God's Word so that you are well prepared, so that you will truly uh, be able to share with someone the reality, this is what God said, this is what this is all about. You'll be able to answer their questions, and uh, again, it'll help us also to grow in the knowledge 
and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, as we have been in this study, um, I, I find myself quite often um, wondering, because of what people say in regards to sharing our faith, defending our faith, dealing with things that are going on in the world, some people have just really got to me to a point where they've even questioned the importance or the validity of the Bible itself. And that's where I want to go today on this podcast. Why is the Bible so important to us? Honestly, why? I mean, even in the Learn, Teach, Defend, you will constantly hear me talk about the Word of God, going back to the Word of God. I tell people all the time, this is not what Marty Minto says. This is not what Marty Minto believes, uh, though I do believe because it is God's Word. It's not because I say it is, it's because God says it is, and because there are principles and things that we can learn and we can gain so that we can understand that this is God's holy word when we talk about the Bible. And that is the foundation that I stand upon. When I share my faith, I defend the faith, uh, whatever the case may be, some call it uh, presuppositional apologetics. I always stand upon the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. They may not believe it, they may not agree with it, but I know it to be true that this is God's Holy Word. And I'm going to share God's Holy Word, and I believe that the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is dividing to the innermost part of that human being. I also believe that uh, it's the power of God unto salvation, to those who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. I believe the Word of God never returns void. It will accomplish the purpose for which God has sent it. And I realize that it is a rock. It smashes. Uh, As I said already, it's a knife that cuts and divides. Um, The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is wonderful. The Word of God is exciting. The Word of God is the sword that we are to wield and use. And the truth of the matter is, I use it all the time because I got nothing else to use. Um, and, and I got to share with people this is what God said. And they'll have their questions asked. But again, why is the Bible so important to us? Well, first of all, I would say the reason why the Bible is so important to us is because the Bible itself, which is God's holy word, is infallible in its totality. It's infallible. Now, what do I mean about infallible? The Bible is unfailing in its purpose. Uh, It's useful. It's true. It's trustworthy. Um, It's infallible. There's no errors in the Bible. You're not going to find it. We'll talk about that word in just a moment. But infallibility, we can trust God's holy word. It's useful to us. It's true. That's why we stand upon it. Let me give you a passage of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. It says, So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Now, the reason why I use that is because we can trust God's word. When we speak the Word of God to people, when we share the truth with people, um, we are trusting that God will do what God can only do. We can't do it. I've told people this time and time again, I can't convince people to believe something 
I, I, I can passionately share the truth with them, but I must trust God to do a work that Marty Minto can't do. You can't do. None of us can do. But when we have God's Word with us, and by the way, I do. I've said this before in a podcast. I'll say it again. I carry a Bible with me just about everywhere I go because I quite often love to open it up and point to people and show them, here, here's what God says. And plus, I, well, you know, I, I have one of those issues. I really, my, my retention issue is, has been there ever since I was a youngster. And so I am not one of those who can always quote uh, the chapter and the verse. Uh, or I could try, but I usually don't get it all right. But I, I like to have the Word of God so I can read it to someone. Uh, but I also have the Word of God with me because I study it all the time. Whenever I get an opportunity, even even yesterday, I was thinking to myself, my wife we had to go run into some stores, and she had to make some returns. And, you know, I was not into making returns with her at the store, though I love to spend time with her. I just opened my Bible, and, and I studied some passages. And, uh, you know, but again, the Word of God, it's unfailing. It is going to do, it's, it has a purpose, the, the purpose for which God sent it. It's not going to return void. And it's something for us to remember. And uh, so, once again, that's one thing. Now, let me give you another thing. The Bible is inerrant, and it's all of its parts. Now, when I talk about the Bible being inerrant or inerrancy, we're talking about the Bible is free from error in all that it affirms. Now, we're talking about the original manuscripts or autographs, the original. Now, we don't have the original. However, what we do have is quite amazing because the not taken away from doctrine, but just based upon um, sentence structure and different things, as I talked in other podcasts, we have some of these minute errors. But the truth of the matter is we have plenty of manuscript evidence, but the Bible is inerrant. There's no errors in it. When I have people I, I meet and somebody say, well, you know, the Bible, you can't trust the Bible. And I'll say, well, why can't you trust the Bible? Well, you know, it has all these mistakes. Okay, what mistakes? Tell me what you're talking about. Show me what errors you say that the Bible has. And I have found in most cases when people make comments like that, they don't know what they're talking about. But I believe that the Bible to be God's holy word. I believe that the Holy Spirit carried the human authors as they spoke, as they put the pen to the parchment. Uh, there is no errors there. God gave to them what God wanted them to have. And so not only is it unfailing in its purpose, it's trustworthy and true and useful, it's free from errors in all that it affirms. Um, and I think it's important for us to understand because it gives us an assurance as we are dealing with others around us, as we're sharing Scripture with them, but also as we study the Word of God, as we take the time and we want to understand what God's Word says, we have to realize that it's God's Word, there's no errors there. It is unfailing. But also we got to realize, too, that the Bible is complete. Um, when I talk about being complete, uh, there's nothing to add to it or take away from it. Matter of fact, um, one of the very, very difficult aspects of 
God's holy word today is there are many that you will find, especially amongst different religious beliefs of the world, who have their own take or they have these extra books, or somehow they've had some revelation along the way, which we would call that extra-biblical revelation, which does not exist. We believe that we have a canon, we, we have that rule, we have all that God has given to us, and the canon is closed. God is not adding to it, he's not taking away from it. Matter of fact, we even have a picture of what is yet to come in the book of Revelation. So we hold on to what we do have. And as we've already been talking about it, we believe that God's Word is infallible. We believe God's Word is inerrant without error. Matter of fact, let, let me read this to you in Psalms 119, uh, 89. Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. So it's already been settled by God. So what God gives to us, we have, and we don't have to be concerned that somehow we are going to find ourselves with something that cannot be trustworthy. Uh, Also in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14, listen to the words of the Lord here. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it, and there is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. Now, once again, I, I think we got to understand this. And then even in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, uh, and it's only in the book of Revelation here, but it says that anybody adds to that prophecy or takes away that they're in trouble. Uh, the plagues, the wrath of God be upon them for doing so, because they don't have a right to do so. So we have the Bible as infallible, we have the Bible as inerrant, we have the Bible as complete, but we also have the Bible as authoritative and really final in our faith and practice. This is something that I think we all need to really grasp more than ever before. When it comes to the Word of God, God's Word is final. It is what our faith and practice is all about. We turn to God. God is the one who tells us. God is the one who demonstrates to us what he expects, what he desires from us. Now, when we talk about authoritative, we're talking about the fact that the Bible carries the right to prescribe beliefs and actions. Now, I've already mentioned this to you. A young man that I know just came out of seminary. And he apparently got a little bent out of shape about something I put on Facebook. And he basically, in a message to me, said, you know, your problem is you look at the Bible from the wrong perspective. The Bible is a descriptive book, not a prescriptive book. I said, huh? He said, yes. He said, it's descriptive. In other words, it tells us about history. It tells about the Jewish people. It tells about the beginning of the New Testament church. It tells about those who went before us, et cetera, et cetera. But we cannot use it prescriptively. We cannot prescribe from it because we're living in the 21st century. Things are different. We're not walking the dusty streets of Jerusalem like Jesus did. (laughs) I said, you got to be kidding me that you believe that. He said, no, that's what we're taught in seminary, and I believe it wholeheartedly. Well, those of you out there listening, the Bible is both descriptive and prescriptive. It has the authority because it comes from God. It's God's holy word. 
It carries the right to prescribe beliefs and actions for us as believers. As a matter of fact, this is interesting because we know that this whole thing with the Bible being inspired or God-breathed, it's a God book. Over 3,800 times the Bible claims to be inspired. In other words, it's the Word of God. It's not my word, it's not your word, it's his word. And uh, we we talked about this before in another podcast, but I I think it would do justice for us to bring it up again. But uh, if you're taking notes or you're looking through a Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Here it is. All Scripture is inspired by God. In other words, it's God-breathed profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, I think that in itself testifies to the reality of what is before us. Matter of fact, 2 Timothy 3.16, at the very beginning, the first half, testifies of that authority. The second half testifies on the sufficiency of Scripture. And that is another point I want to bring up. The Bible is completely sufficient for your spiritual needs. It's sufficient for your spiritual walk, your life, that you live, the journey that you're on as a Christian. Now, when I use the word sufficient, I'm talking about the the, the Bible contains all that's needed as far as information for the Christian life. We don't need anything else. That's why the man of God a kid, will be adequate, equipped for every good work. So again, verse 16 testifies about its authority. Verse 17 testifies about its sufficiency. So we, the Bible's infallible. The Bible's inerrant. The Bible's complete. The Bible is authoritative. In other words, final in our faith and practice. The Bible is completely sufficient. So as a Christian, when we come to this point in place of recognizing all these things, we, we begin to realize that um, that's why we study. That's why we stand upon. That's why our foundation must be the Word of God, the Bible. Now, let me give you a couple more over the years I've come up with. Next is the Bible accomplishes what it promises. We know that the Bible is written for all of us as believers, but it's not always written to us specifically, though we learn from those who was written to, those who in which it was spoken to at certain times directly by God himself. But the promises of God, um, whatever God has said is going to take place. God is not a liar. Uh, matter of fact, uh, in the Bible, you have in the book of Hebrews, and again, if you're going through this and you're opening your Bible or you're writing these down, Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, um, verses 13 through 18. Let me read them for you, if I may. It says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them 
An oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. See, we have God who can't lie, and we have his word, which is a promise. It's a guarantee. That's why those things in the book, even in the book of Revelation, that have not taken place yet, uh, and rightly divided and understood, interpreted, we are going to see the fulfillment of those things. I believe today, as we are living in the end times, we see uh, an escalate of things taking place that just point us back to the Word of God, showing us that what God said is going to happen is happening. Now, again, we have to be careful with this because we have to rightly divide. We can't create things on our own. But, and again, this time period, it's going to get worse. I've told people this, and I've had people say to me, you know, you're kind of a doom and gloom guy sometimes. Now, now I'm just following God's word. It's going to get worse. It's going to get really bad. Then the Bible talks about the great tribulation, how bad it's going to be. If God did not intervene, it seems to tell us very distinctively there would be no one living. It's going to get bad. Uh, there are Christians all over the world who are going to be martyred. They're going to lose their life because they're standing for Christ. They're sharing the gospel. Uh, so, you know, things like this. But again, the Bible accomplishes what it promises. Uh, the Bible also provides for us assurance. First and foremost, the assurance of our salvation. I, I remember many years ago during an interview with Dr. Charles Stanley, Um. And many of you probably have heard of Dr. Stanley, but I, I'll never forget when I asked Dr. Stanley, you know, of all the years back then when he was in ministry, what was the number one issue or question that people brought to his attention as a pastor, as a world-renowned Bible teacher? I mean, what, what things were they, you know, bringing to the table? What was the, what was the number one? And I'll never forget, he said to me, Marty, the number one thing was the assurance of one's salvation. See, because a lot of people look for the assurance of salvation or look for the assurance of their life based upon how they feel, based upon the circumstances and the situations that they find themselves in. But that's not how one gauges the assurance of our position in Christ. We have to base it upon the promise of God. I mean, think about the verse that so often so many people love to quote. Think about this for just a moment. They love to go to John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, is that, is that a guarantee? Well, yeah. Jesus is saying, listen, if you put your trust, your faith in me and me alone— you are going to have eternal life. Then he goes on to say that God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, um, but the world may be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. 
He who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So once again, if you believe, you have eternal life. The promise comes from God himself. And obviously, we are challenged by Jesus, we're challenged by Paul, by Peter, by John, to look at our salvation, to see whether Christ is in us, which I believe is important. But at the same time, the assurance that we have is based upon the sufficiency of the work of Jesus Christ himself, living a life that we could not live, paying the penalty that we could not pay, and then on the third day, overcoming the penalty of sin, which is death. And he was raised on the third day. He conquered the grave. He conquered uh, what the enemy had done by tempting Adam and Eve in the garden. He was and is victorious. So the bottom line is simply this. We put our faith, our trust in the sufficiency of Christ. And his promise is, if you believe, you truly have eternal life. Uh, And again, not just positionally, but someday when you die, you'll experience the reality of being with him for all eternity. Now, with that also, uh, we'd have to say that, and I think we've already mentioned this, that the Bible itself is true. It's the word of truth. I was just studying this today, matter of fact, in my own personal devotional time. I've been going over and over again, John chapter 17. John chapter 17 has been called the high priestly prayer. Matter of fact, in many Bibles, it's even titled that. But I think it really should be the Lord's Prayer, because it was and it is the longest prayer that we have recorded of Jesus as he talks intimately with God the Father. But in John chapter 17, verse 17, we read these words. Jesus says, and again, he's speaking to his Father, Heavenly Father. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. So in other words, we don't have to doubt. We don't have to fret. We don't have to be dismayed. We are trusting as believers that God's word is just that, God's word. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. See, God's word is true. We can trust God's word. Uh, and this, I, again, I'm just making it clear to you, this is important, that you understand God's word to be true. And though at times that we may be challenged as we study it, and we're trying to comprehend and we're trying to grasp it all, we have to believe it to be true. Um, And again, God is not a liar. Um, The Bible itself, and we've already heard this already as I've read, but the Bible itself is an everlasting, imperishable book. I mean, it's not going to be destroyed. God himself has preserved it. And there are passages after passages that talk about this. It's everlasting. It's ongoing. Uh, It's never going to pass away. His word endures forever. I'll give you a few of them, though. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, 
not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. See, it's going to endure. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, uh, it says this, But of the day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Now, I'm thinking, oh, no, I, I wrote, <laughs> I read the one after it. Matthew chapter 24, verse uh, 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Uh, but anyways, we could go into verse uh, the next verse, 36 there. I, I hard time reading. I get all the bifocals don't focus the way they, focus the way they should. But uh, um, we do know and we do believe as believers that Christ was talking about in his, in, in his humanity. He did not recognize or know the time in which the Father uh, was going to have him return. But in his deity, he does. But anyways, that's a discussion for another time. I wanted the verse before, but hey, listen, I'm human. What can I tell you? Okay. Um, but there are other places. Uh, Psalms chapter 12, verses 6 through 7, uh, and many other places that talk about God's word being everlasting. It's imperishable. Uh, it's not going to be destroyed. Um, again, another reason why the Bible's so important to us as believers, it's it's that which God has given us to provide spiritual growth. And we've talked about this uh, quite in depth already, but I'll just mention it here. But the, God tells us very distinctively in his word in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the, the kindness of the Lord. So it's for spiritual growth. We need the Word of God. Now, I've already mentioned this earlier. We also believe that the Bible in itself is the weapon that we use in spiritual warfare. It talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. It is that sword that we are to use. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 talks about uh, the, the use of the, of the sp- spiritual things in, in fighting battles, specifically in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, talking about those who speak things that are false or teach things that are false. We need to take the Word of God, and we need to expose them. We need to bring the truth to the forefront. So, so again, the Word of God, it's our weapon, but it's also for us to grow spiritually, and that's why the, you know, the learn, teach, defend is so important for everyone, including myself, and I use it all the time. Because once again, I, I got to realize I need to grow so that I can teach other people, but also I need to use it as I go forward into spiritual battle, because there are a lot of people out there today teaching stuff that's just not true. I mean, there's just a lot of lies, and it's happening all over the place, and many people can't discern. That's the thing that bothers me the most. Uh, We already know, too, that the Word of God, I mentioned this before, is the power for salvation. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the gospel. Um, I don't know about you, but especially during the difficult times in our lives, we know that the Bible provides comfort for us. Comfort. Uh, And as we study the Word of God, and I really mean this, I've been through some of the darkest times in my life. I, I have been through the very challenging, difficult places where I have felt so alone, wondering 
Even at times, God, are you listening? Are you there? Are you caring? Do you care for me? Um, the truth of the matter is that the Word of God brings comfort. It, it brings us a peace. Um, it, it really does guard our heart and our minds. And I've told this to other people who've been going through struggles lately. When I have been in the midst of a desert or in a great storm or in a valley that's so deep, and I, I, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not saying that I have not experienced and went through these places and times in my life with great agony. And there, But the only comfort I can find is not from my spouse, who I love very much, who I've been married just recently, 34 years, to my lovely wife, Renee. But even friends who call me up, who text me and email me and check on me and stuff like that. Though they mean well, quite often I just, I don't sense what I need. I I guess the bottom line, I'm not talking about being touchy-feely, but the only place that I find this comfort down deep within me, within my soul, that just permeates every aspect of my life, my heart, my mind, comes from being in the Word of God. And I've told people that the place that I go is the Psalms. And in the Psalms, the the psalmist, especially David, there has been so much that this man has been through as a king, as a leader of Israel, as a follower, as one who loves God, seeks after God, who desires God. Um, This man, he has been through some battles. He has been through some deserts, some valleys, some storms. Uh, that are unbelievable. And um, David, he is a seeker after God's own heart. And I really believe by reading the Psalms, and there's other psalmists other than David, but they write with such passion, but also with such genuineness, that, hey, we I begin to understand, hopefully you will too, they're human. They're human. They're, we're not reading a, a book about superhuman people. We're reading a book about people that are our brothers and sisters in Christ who went before us. But again, the key is the comfort, the assurance, the soothing, the the peace. All that I need is found when I'm in the Word of God. And through that, and I'll close with this, the Word of God also becomes my guide. The Word of God guides us directs us in our lives. Um, We need to truly be men and women of the Word. Um, I've told you this before, and I'll tell you it again. If you've never sat down and studied Psalms 119, I'm talking about studying it, not just reading it. I have read it many, 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 many times, but I'm talking about studying Psalms 119. But in Psalms 119, uh, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We know that it is the light to life itself, eternal life. But God's Word guides us and directs us. God's Word is, is that roadmap of life. It's a, a place at times it gives us warnings and tells us not to go down roads, not, not to go in this direction. But it, it is that which truly is better than any GPS, better than your phone, 
when we're talking your spiritual walk in your life. The Bible guides us because it's God who's guiding us and directing us in his way, not in the way of the world, not even allowing us to direct our own lives because we're no longer our own. We've been bought with a price. And the price is the precious blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ. As Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. I've been crucified to the world. I've been crucified to, to my flesh and all that. It's not about me anymore. It is about following. It's about seeking after. It's about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is God who is first and foremost. It is he who I look to. And I've learned this more and more, and I'm still learning, and I guess I will until the day I die. We can't keep take our eyes off of him. we got to keep our eyes on him. We have to understand the importance of following God and his ways, to be pleasing to him, but also to be where God wants us to be on that safe path. Because when we do things our own way, we're done. Uh, we're just in trouble. And I've been there many times. I've been along the road of life, beaten up, torn apart, struggling, the battle scars and wounds, because I have not let God guide me and direct me through his word. You want to hear from God today? Maybe you're at a point in place and you're struggling. Open the Bible. Don't be listening to these other people talking about you're going to hear some voice somewhere. Or, you know, on one side of your shoulder, God will talk to you, and the other side's the devil stuff. No. You want to hear from God? Open his word. Study his word. And all the things that I have shared with you here today about the Bible being infallible, inerrant, complete, authoritative, sufficient, um, accomplishing all of its promises that God has given, providing assurance to us, not only of our salvation, but uh, also the assurance of what is yet to come. The Bible is true. The Bible is an imperishable, everlasting book. It's God. what God has given us to, to grow spiritually. It's the weapon that we need to use in spiritual warfare. We need it to use it to teach other people to defend the truth when lies are being spoken and taught. It's the source and the power of God for salvation. It provides comfort to us in our lives. It guides and it guards our heart and our, our minds. It gives us direction. It leads us in the path of righteousness for God and for his glory and honor. The Word of God is, well... It is all that we need. And some people like to say all kind of different things about the Word of God, the Bible. They may question it, but again, until you're a believer, one who has put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone, until you have the Spirit of God within you, you can't understand these things. But those of you listening to this podcast who do, my challenge, my encouragement to you is to continue or to get into God's Word each and every day. Make it your priority. And I hope and pray that all the things that I've shared with you 
um, you'll see it firsthand in your own life. Well, once again, it has been a blessing to be with you here on the Marty Minto Show podcast. Until next time, don't forget, tell somebody about the Marty Minto Show podcast. Check out that Christian parody band Apologetics online at apologetics.com. Last three letters, T-I-X. Until next time, may God's blessing be upon you and your family. I used to be such a thief.